Psalm 27, our passage for today, opens up with a very pointed question. You know, there's no warm up, there's no icebreaker. Uh, the writer, uh, David, the psalmist, he, he gets straight to the point asking us this pointed question straight up, whom do you fear and of what are you afraid? You know, fear, it's a, it's a powerful influencer in our lives. You know, as we think about, you know, our, our oldest memories uh, from when we were, were children, you, you realize that uh, many of those vivid memories were actually born in fear. You know, maybe some sort of uh, event that, re- that releases the adrenaline to our minds and kind of carves these fearful experiences uh, into our brains to be uh, called back with, with great clarity. You know, I still remember, um, as if it was yesterday, the experience of, of getting lost uh, for really just a couple of minutes in a department store, uh, being separated from my parents uh, for those couple of minutes. Looking back, it felt like I was gonna be separated them like forever, like the rest of my life. And it's interesting, because some neuroscientists actually conclude that, that humans are actually uh, the most fearful uh, beings on the planet because of our ability to learn and then to think and actually even create uh, scenarios of fear in our own minds. Stranger still, you could say that we're actually gluttons for this kind of punishment, uh, in that we actually seek out uh, and, and look for ways in which to be fearful. Well, we think we're being careful, but in many ways, uh, we have this disposition. Um, scientists call it a negativity bias, that we have that within us, this natural kind of fight or flight disposition that makes us aware of and even seek out um, negative news, danger, fears. It's like, our, it's like our default operating system. And so it's interesting that this, this negativity bias, um, it, and, and you could say our cues to notice bad news, uh, the media, you know, it capitalizes on this. In fact, they, they kind of have to uh, use uh, those kinds of stories to keep us interested. Uh, there's actually an old saying in uh, TV news that if it bleeds, it leads. And so really, the more a story scares you, the more likely you are to watch it and to follow it. And, and here's why the media has to do that, in full disclosure. I mean, it really, it's a forced you know, catch-22, a forced irony in that you know, media, they have to sell advertising in order to stay in business. And to sell advertising, they have to attract an audience. And to attract an audience, uh, they have to offer the most interesting news. And because of our negativity bias, the type of news that interests us the most uh, is negative. Uh, anything that inspires Uh, Fear will attract the largest audience and the largest audience is going to then sell the most advertising and so on it goes. And so fear uh, is recognized as a very powerful factor in our life's equation. And you could say all the more in these times. There was an article in Psychology Today uh, that identified the top 10 uh, fears that hold people back in their life. And what was interesting about the article is actually pre-quarantine, uh, pre-COVID-19, uh, yet the fears uh, we'll see still remain and in some ways have kind of this wide open playground in this time uh, to, to kind of wreak habit on our minds or really to uh, demonstrate what verse one asks of us. It's, it's a list of whom shall we fears, a list of uh, what shall we be afraids. And so uh, the number one thing on that list was the fear of change. And we've all certainly experienced a large measure of that. The second fear on the list, loneliness. From there, the list includes things like uh, the fear of uncertainty. 
uh, the fear of something bad happening, the fear of getting hurt or sick. Uh, there's the fear of inadequacy or failure. Uh, and I don't think there's one among us who hasn't experienced some measure of a sense of inadequacy as we try to figure out what life looks like, trying to maybe work from home or balance work from home. Or um, for those of you who have children, this idea that you're all of a sudden a, a home educator and what that looks like and feeling inadequate in, in all of those spaces. Uh, and then the last one on the list uh, was simply the fear of the loss of freedom, which certainly applies to every single one of us. Uh, this uh, reality that we are having to accept loss of freedoms that we, prior to all this, let's be honest, we all took for granted. And so recognizing and responding to fear, um, it's nothing new to our current times. In fact, David, the writer of our Psalm in Psalm 27, uh, he knew that in order for us to grab a hold of the solution in verses two through 14, we need to identify the problem in the first verse that it is that we're trying to solve. And that is the question, uh, whom do you fear and of what are you afraid? And so what negativity bias would you say, uh, maybe out of that list or something else, is most tinting your world? You know, David, in this Psalm, he suggests you could say a different bias. He suggests a different view, a different lens that we can choose in order to color our world, you could say, in spite of our negativity bias, in spite of the fears that we face. And so look again at verse one and how David frames uh, those, um, that question. He says, the Lord is my bias. The Lord is my light and my salvation. And so almost taunting fear. So whom shall I fear? Or the Lord is the stronghold of my life. And so of whom shall I be afraid? Essentially he's saying that even in spite of the fears that we still can choose light, salvation, the Lord as the stronghold of our lives. And then it goes on in verse three uh, to kind of say the same thing. It says, though an army besiege me or though an army like overwhelm me, uh, my heart will not fear. Though war will break out against me, and that's how it feels like we've, we're in this battle, I, I will not fear, I will be confident. I will, you could say, choose confidence. And so how do we get there? How do we move, how do we shift uh, from, you could say, that default negativity bias or that fear bias, how do we back out of that and choose instead what we might call a dwell bias, what we might choose uh, to instead not fear, to remain confident, to choose what the Lord has for us in that. Well, verse four in our passage is the linchpin in how we do that. Verse four is the linchpin in how we back out of the fear bias and move into what we're gonna call the dwell bias. And that is simply this. This is, you could say, the linchpin for today and the linchpin for the whole series. This is it. It says one thing. Do me a favor at home. I know it's corny, I don't care. Go ahead and hold up a finger. Just one finger, this finger, preferably. Um, and one thing, some of you might remember the old City Slickers movie, one thing, okay. One thing I ask from the Lord. This only do I seek that I may dwell, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. 
And so how do we get there? How do we choose this one thing, this only thing, to choose to dwell in the house, or you might say the presence of the Lord? Well, that's exactly what we wanna help you with here today. And so in a few moments, uh, we're gonna get very, very, very practical uh, as to how it is that we can make sure that in spite of the fear bias, in spite of the negativity bias, we can intentionally choose to step into a dwell bias. That the one thing that we will seek is the presence of the Lord, even in the midst of all the fears and negativity that we face. In 1984, uh, a little game by the name of Tetris took the world by storm. And, and people quickly got sucked into hours and hours of moving and flipping little shapes to fit perfectly together, uh, to eliminate lines. In fact, um, the world of Tetris began to uh, infect, you could say, their real world. As Tetris players uh, reported, you know, walking through supermarkets and not being able to help but wanting to shift cereal boxes and slide them over to fit with other cereal boxes. Uh, other players who lived in big cities talked about the need to want to like flip tall buildings end over end to be able to fit uh, well with other buildings that were in view. Uh, some gamers just uh, couldn't help but drift asleep with the, uh, the view of these blocks just falling from the sky. And what was initially just written off as, you know, gaming addiction uh, was studied further by Harvard uh, psychiatrist Robert Strickgold. And he discovered that these floating Tetris pieces that we saw both waking and sleeping, or those who were you know, involved in the game, were actually what he called cognitive after images, where the brain creates these new neural pathways to help recognize patterns with, you could say, less effort, which made them better at the game, but also was kind of affecting uh, their other avenues of life. And what's interesting, they discovered that the Tetris effect wasn't limited to gaming, uh, but to other areas of life as well, as uh, I was looking at certain professions, like for example, tax auditors who are trained uh, to pretty much spend their entire day scanning documents for errors, they were shown to scan essentially their entire world for errors that, um, whether it was other team members being harder on their direct reports, uh, the way in which they only could focus on their children's uh, C grades versus the, the A's that they had on report cards, um, other spheres, uh, some of you can probably relate to this, you know, engineers, uh, sometimes maybe you can tend to see the world uh, as a problem to be fixed or an opportunity to be optimized, uh, even maybe where one uh, isn't necessarily needed. Uh, teachers, they can default to seeing everyone as a student that needs to be taught something. Uh, lawyers are, uh, you know, they're trained to identify flaws and arguments and can find it hard maybe to carry on just normal conversations. And so what's interesting is that the Tetris effect, uh, as a tint through other lenses of our life, it has the, you know, the possibility to be a strength. Uh, for example, in your professions, you know, can make you, if you're an auditor, a better auditor, a better engineer, a better teacher, a better lawyer. But they also, uh, you can kind of tend to see the whole world as a nail and you're a hammer if you're not careful. And so this idea of these default tendencies, these Tetris effects, uh, as we talked about earlier, this negativity bias, this fear bias that frankly can help uh, us really have the wrong view of things over and over and over again also can be flipped for the positive. Uh, that we can 
actually instead of let ourselves be saturated with incoming news feeds of uh, that, as we already know, that why they've got to kind of give us that negativity bias because we're drawn to it. Um, you know, and I'm not suggesting we be ill-informed about the news, but really how much news do we need? How many updates do we need? I just saw one of our local news stations offering that if you download their app, they will notify you with each uh, diagnosed COVID-19 case that comes. It's, it's like, what is number 47 diagnosis versus number 46 gonna cause me to do differently in the living of my life? And so it really comes down to recognizing we have this tendency. We have this draw towards uh, a negativity or a fear bias. We have this Tetris effect that can shape and color our whole world for better or for worse. And so by choosing a dwell bias, by choosing to choose a lens, a Tetris effect that views the world through the lens of God's presence, that he is with us. Uh, as we said earlier, the, the one thing I ask, the only thing, if you choose to seek, that you can actually choose to see your world through the dwelling of the presence of the Lord with you and with us through it all, then that is what we want to choose, that we wanna back out of that negativity and we wanna move into a dwell bias, that we wanna choose the positive Tetris effect of how we wanna view our world and that's through the lens of God's word for us. And so that's why we're doing this series through the book of Psalms. You know, it's interesting that the book of Psalms uh, was originally understood uh, in its original audience to the Jewish people when they were uh, exiled to Babylon, when they couldn't gather in their temple to worship. It was understood that the book of Psalms uh, was, you could say, they actually, uh, one commentator said it, it was a virtual temple. It was a place where the people of God could go to meet with God, even when they couldn't physically gather together uh, in the gathering of the believers in the temple of their times or the church of our times uh, to meet with God. And so that's what we wanna invite you to do, to dwell with the presence of the Lord through this virtual temple, through the book of Psalms over the next six weeks. And so in some ways, this series is, as much as it's about you know, a weekly message, it's actually more about what you're gonna do between the weekends, how you're going to engage uh, a positive Tetris effect, a, a dwell bias for what the Lord has for you. And so to help you do that, we have a, a reading plan uh, that we are going to uh, provide for you. Uh, you can go to firstdecaturorg slash dwelldevo and you can find that reading plan that will take you through the whole book of Psalms over the next six weeks with a few chapters a day. And if that's too much, that's okay. You can read it slower. You can do a chapter a day. Maybe there's a chapter that has your attention. You wanna read it several times over the next several days. Um, and so that's just a tool, but whatever it takes, I would encourage you to find a pace that works for you to start working your way through the book of Psalms, through this virtual temple, through this dwelling, in the presence of the Lord to give you that positive Tetris effect to make sure we start viewing the world the way that God wants us to view the world. And also to accompany those, uh, that reading plan, you'll notice on that site uh, or on that webpage on our website, uh, there's gonna be uh, twice a week, there's gonna be video devotionals from various staff members because when we discover when we discover that outlook, that dwell bias, uh, using the Tetris effect to our advantage, you could say, it's then that we will experience the promises and the outcomes that the rest of Psalm 27 gives us. It says it this way in verse five. It says, for in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his 
dwelling, that when we dwell in the presence of the Lord, we experience the safety of his dwelling, that he will hide me in his shelter, in his sacred tent. He will set me high upon a rock. He will give us a higher perspective, his perspective, in all that we are facing in these times. He goes on to say at the end of the uh, Psalm in verse 13 and 14 again, he says, and so I will, as a result of this dwell bias, I will remain confident. I will remain confident of this, that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And so verse 14, wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart as we wait, as we dwell, as we press into the presence of the Lord. Psalm 27. And so as I think about this challenge for us, uh, we also recognize that as we want to dwell in the presence of the Lord, we want the help of the Lord to help us dwell with him in the days ahead. And so to pray uh, this psalm really over us, uh, we have invited our um, own Laura Reimer, a beloved teacher and uh, our leader of our intercessory prayer team. Essentially, anytime there is a, a prayer request submitted by one of you, firstdecatororg slash prayer, you can submit those anytime. She leads a team uh, that is actually and intentionally praying and following up with folks in those situations. And so uh, would you pray with us as Laura leads us in prayer together? Father God, you are our light and you have provided the way of salvation through your son, Jesus Christ. You strengthen us and you give us life. No matter what forces or attacks come against us, no matter how hard the enemy tries to wear us down and wear us out, we have nothing to be afraid of. We sing praises of gratitude and joy for your protection and provision over us. Our one desire is to live in your presence every day. In your presence, we find your beauty and your glory. You are everything we want and everything we need. We have set our hearts, our minds, and our spirits on you. Lord, we pray for your mercy and grace to be poured out mightily on us. You have promised to hear and answer the cries of your people when we turn to you. Today, we turn our faces fully to you, our God. We ask for your forgiveness, healing, restoration, and peace over your church and over this land. Lord, our ears are tuned to your instruction. Give us teachable and repentant hearts. Deliver us, Lord, from the works of evil that would destroy us. Reveal your truth and activate your living word in us. We believe we will see your goodness in our land during our lifetime. We wait in joyful anticipation of what our God will do in the days to come. May your spirit guide us and hold us steadfastly as we actively wait in faith for your perfect timing. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.